Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tim Gaither Podcast. My guest today is my buddy John Reap. He's an actor and comedian, and uh, he's got an IMDb that reads like War and Peace, so I'm just going to hit some of the uh, highlights here. Some of the highlights, he's been in the movie Harold and Kumar, Escape from Guantanamo Bay. He had a starring role in the movie Into the Storm. He had a recurring role on Eastbound and Down, which I was jealous as fuck about. And he was also the Dodge Hemi guy. A lot of you might remember those commercials, uh, that thing got a Hemi. Um, <laughs> so that's my buddy. Welcome to the podcast, John Reap. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. I've I've done it quite a few times. It's one of my, uh, you know, there's a few things in my in my career that um, have made me realize how cool it is that I do comedy for a living. You know, I might not be famous or anything, but like I'm friends with Court McCown, who was in one of my favorite '80s movies, The uh, Can't Buy Me Love. Just the fact that he wishes me happy birthday is like the coolest thing in the world to me. I'm like that guy's my friend. Yes, yes, thank you. Somebody reminded me of that the other day, and I was like, fuck, really? I didn't forget about that part. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, so that, little things like that. Like, I'm friends with him. I got stoned once with Emo Phillips. Uh, I used to love those commercials. And uh, and now, you know, I feel like you're my friend, you know? Like, we don't hang out a lot or anything because it's just hard to. But uh, every time I'm around you, I feel like this guy's my friend. Oh, yeah. Like, not just some some guy from Hollywood that I see every now and again. Like, uh you know, it's almost like it's almost like you're my cousin or something. Like, hey, there's my cousin. Right. I see you once every six yeah. months. I love that guy. Um, I, I'm the same way, brother. And uh, you know, I met you all, gosh, a long time ago on the road, and I was like, who's this guy? I need to be his pal. You yeah, because it's rare that you, it's rare that you see another comedian uh, that you have a lot in common with. Um, you know, a lot of sick backgrounds, and, uh, and and living in Hollywood, you know, or Los Angeles is is. That's hard. That's weird. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, every every time I have uh, every time I have any kind of little party, I'm always inviting Mr. Gaither. He's gonna, he's gonna show up. By the um, way, uh, are are you gonna have a Halloween party this year? I don't know yet. It depends. It all depends if I'm here. Like if I'm doing something, if I have a gig where I'm gonna be on the road, then that obviously won't. But like that last night, it was last minute. It was like. You know, it was a. That, I think Halloween fell on a Tuesday or Monday or something weird like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would I would have one out here if I thought people would drive all the way out towards Redondo Beach because they think people think that's like a different fucking planet. Um. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it is weird how like even though the distance isn't that much, it's the time that matters. It's yeah. Like you know, here everything's measured in how long does it take to get there, not how many miles it is. You know, where we where we grew up, I imagine maybe it's your case as well, but in my case, it was like. Yeah, you know. it's a half an hour if you leave it the wrong time easily. Right, exactly. So yeah, I, I grew up uh, in yeah, Kansas man. City, and I, I came I came back home not too long ago at like five o'clock in the afternoon, and I was doing seventy on the highway. I'm like, this is freaking awesome, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. And and what else I hate is you can't have a fucking stick shift. I love driving a stick shift, and you can't have one here. I mean, I guess you could. Your arms, your forearms look like Popeye. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. You would be busy in that car. I mean, that's one another thing. I've, I've, when I've moved out here, I noticed that uh, there's like a lot of people have really nice cars out here. And and then there's a lot of like piece of crap Sanford and Son type of cars. <laughs> but like there's nothing, there's not a whole lot of in between. And again, it's like, well, but if, you, if you're going to be in traffic, which you know you are in this town, then you might as well have something nice to sit in. While yeah. you're yeah. Uh, and then, and then people who, who do that, there are people who are like, well, I, this is all I can afford. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah, I don't know how people sit in traffic in the morning and at night. I mean, they're, you know, like I don't leave between three and seven if I, if I can avoid it at all. And uh, I mean, God bless those people who can do that day in and day out without just fucking snapping. I don't know how they do it. Yeah, four or five, I try to avoid. I think I just read somewhere that they're going to be working the four or five again. Yeah. Have you heard this news? I haven't. Okay, well, i got to look it up. Someone told me that might happen, which is a bummer. I'm going to be in town for quite a while, by the, by the way. I just got back from uh, Montreal, which is fun. And I'm going to be in town until, like, I don't know, almost three weeks. So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hang out. Yeah, I would love to. I'm going to uh, Denver this week, but then I'm home, for until, I'm home until, like, the 17th. So, yeah, I, w- I would love that. And the reason I asked about the Halloween party is because uh, I'm going to dress up this year. My girl and I are going to go as Rocky and Adrian, so I need a fucking party to go to. <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh, that's going to be great. So uh, if you could uh, if you could uh, have a party at your home and uh, get your house all fucked up so I can dress up, that'd be awesome, Reap. I'll see what I can do, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll see you as Rocky. Are you going to go Rocky 1, uh, where he's not quite ripped? Are you going to go Rocky 2, where he's like ripped? Oh, I've got to uh, go Rocky 1. I on your face? I'm go- I gotta go Rocky 1. I can't go, like, comic book Rocky. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> all right, so, wait, so is it Rocky from uh, the uh, workout outfit where it's, like, all sweats and the shorts are outside the sweats, or is it just the, the boxing trucks and gloves and no shirt? No, no, I think I'm going to wear, I think I'm going to get get myself a, uh, a an Eye of the Tiger jacket, like a tiger, a leather jacket with a tiger on the back. I don't, I don't think his jacket oh. was leather. I think his, ja- I think his jacket was more, like, members only. <laughs> But uh, I think I'm going to go the jacket hat route. Is what I think I'm going to do. Maybe we should make maybe we should make my party a whole thing where everyone has to come as a Rocky character from any Rocky they want. That would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, that could, I could set up a party of a hundred people and it would work. Yeah, and they have yeah. That, I'm down, How many man. Rockies do they have now? Uh, there's well, there's six, and then there's the one with uh, with Apollo Creed's kid. So there's seven technically. There you go. Yeah, so, yeah, if you can't come up with a Rocky character from all those movies, you're not very fucking creative, and you shouldn't be coming, you shouldn't be coming anyway. Oh, that's cool. Um, but, yeah, uh, did you dress up last time? I don't think you did dress up, did you? No, I was a lame-ass last time, but it was kind of last minute, and I wasn't sure if people were. And, no, that's, that's fine. But I did do your little stretch machine, remember? That was fun. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> oh, my God, I can't believe that I actually paid to have that shipped from my parents' house. <laughs> to my house here in LA across the country John's got this John's got this thing at his house that looks like a medieval death machine or something um, it's a stretcher and you put your legs in it and you just keep cranking on it and you can go like completely vertical I mean I can't yeah, I, I got that like when I was in the 7th or 8th grade and I was taking karate and I was in love with anything that had anything to do with ninjas you know I was going to my ninja phase 
and uh, I wanted to, and I saw in a magazine, you know, Chuck Norris or somebody like that on the stretch machine uh, for Christmas. <laughs> I just had to have it, and um, sure enough, it was there Christmas morning. My parents, you know, they got they got it for me, and I think I was on that thing. I don't know. I got when I was younger, I could get, I could, I was pretty flexible when I was younger, but man, now I need it more than ever, and it just sits there collecting dust. And yeah, I, I can't believe I, uh, I had that shipped out of here. For yeah. The waste of money. I remember when you're when you're a kid, you, you you beg for shit, and then you finally get it. And after like an hour, you're like, I can't believe I begged for this for so long. <laughs> like, yeah, and your parents stuff. know that, but you can't you can't push it up Yeah, yeah. Um, so the first time we met was in Colombia, and we probably worked together maybe five times. And if you haven't watched, uh, if you haven't seen John do comedy, um, I'm not just saying this because he's on my podcast. His it's one of the funniest, most entertaining hours of stand-up you can see in this country. It really is. Um, you have uh, not only an unteachable likability, but um, you can paint a picture like no one I've ever seen when you tell a story. Like I, Every time you tell that pool story with your dad, like I, I picture the whole thing in my head and it makes me laugh every time. And it, it's, it's really a talent to be able to do that and, and to be able to do it so effortlessly. People don't realize... You know, if, when you when you make something look so easy, people don't realize how fucking hard it is. But you, you're yeah. you're 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 absolutely are one of the best in the in the country at at, at that kind of thing. Um, Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and I've always enjoyed watching your show, and and I hardly ever watch anybody's show anymore. You know, after nineteen right, years. Yeah, I'm the same way. Yeah, I um, that uh, thank you for that, by the way. And I I, I like uh, I like a good story. You know, uh, uh, that's always what I've heard sort of gravitated to like I, I wish I had the uh, the ability to write really good well crafted just set up punchline jokes um, but I'm not that good at that because everything that I kind of do on stage is something that kind of happens to me mm-hmm. and to me it's a it's a story it's not just a joke so I feel like that's just what my style was meant to be um, and you know some of the guys I liked growing up were, were storytellers mm-hmm. and it's going to sound weird now but Bill Cosby <laughs> Was uh, one of my favorites. Oh they, man! He could tell a good story. I tell people all the time it, it's it's such a shame about Cosby because when you consider when you consider the ability to make a child laugh all the way up to a ninety something year old man, I mean the guy and, and everything in between, Bill Cosby has to be considered one of, if not the greatest stand up comedian ever. You know when you consider when you consider that. You know, like, because Richard Pryor, as great as he was, he wasn't going to be everyone's cup of tea. He wasn't going to make old people, right. you know, like, certain people laugh. I mean, maybe they would, but, you know, um, you know what I mean, though. I mean, he, he was just, the guy, whatever his personal life, I mean, fuck, he was awesome. So, yeah, I see that. Right. No, I agree. Um, so, I think that, that that's where I fell in love with Cosby as a kid. I could watch it with my dad, who I thought was hilarious, too, and my and Bill Cosby would make my dad laugh and me laugh and my mom and everybody in the room. Yeah. Um, and so I always kind of admired that. That's kind of, you know, maybe that's where, where it started for me. But I also think, you know, the, good, the, the difference between a good joke and a good story is like um, a good joke, you know, it can last one or two times. Like once you hear that joke, you, when you hear it again, it's like, no, I already heard it. And then something changed. It's, here's the setup, here's the punch. I already know it. Right. Now, the difference, a good story can live forever because it grows, it changes, it morphs, it gets better, and it's acting things out, and it just lasts longer. And you want, 
if you hear it and you like it, you got to tell your friend, like, oh, you got to hear him tell that story. And, and it never gets old watching or hearing the same story over and over uh, for some people. So um, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, well, they're, they're great freaking stories. And, uh, you know, like someone told me I was a good storyteller, and I'm like, uh, I don't tell stories. I take all my jokes and I cram them together in an order that makes it sound like a story. <laughs> right. Well, there you go. That's, that's also a talent. That's a skill right there. But, um, but I, I, I'm almost the opposite of that, Tim, where I'll start with a story, and I just, you know, I'll sort of say it a bunch of times, and it won't, it won't work the first couple of times, and then I'll find myself a nervous energy on stage doing something funny or adding something here and there, and then before I know it, I'm putting jokes into the story. It's still the truth, but I've, you know, I've added things, I take tangents here and there, and it just sort of comes alive that way. So we built the same monster, but two different ways. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's uh, I just think it's I think it's just fun to watch. And I, I think I said to you one time, I go I go, uh, you know, it it's gotta be nice once you get your story down because then you can just you know, no matter what, you can just plow through it and uh, and you're like, Yeah, it's great unless you've got a crowd that sucks and then you've got it you've got to tell this story. <laughs> you've got to tell the whole thing oh, and they're not you yeah, can tell right away that they're not into it or whatever. Maybe you're talking about the radio. You were doing that on the radio or something. Yeah. Oh, in the middle of a story because of something that happens in the crowd it fucks up the story you know you can never recreate that cohesiveness that was going along you know and then when you go back and try to go into it you can still get the laugh out of it but it's never going to be the same like i was just in omaha and there was this lady who had the i can't even mimic this laugh it was so crazy and i was trying to ignore and I, i knew i had to get to this part of my set where i could like bookmark it and deal with her and come back <laughs> but getting to that part getting to that part was so hard because she was loving this bit and finally I was like god this is the first time I've ever done a comedy show where I hoped someone in the crowd didn't like my shit because <laughs> because her voice her laugh was so freaking obnoxious and uh anyway it was it was I was like I knew I couldn't I can't break in the middle of this story to deal with this crazy ass woman's laugh because I can't go back to it, and I love this joke, so I've got to finish it. Right? You know. Yeah. So. I, we all, it's funny how your brain—that's a skill that happens later in the comics' life, I think. Because you know, we have the ability to be in the middle of an act, a joke, a story, a bit, and at the same time having completely other thoughts and trying to figure out what to do next or how to handle the situation while we're delivering the joke and still being in the moment. It's crazy how 
Yeah. Have you have you ever been in the middle of it and the middle of doing that, like multitasking in your brain and kind of gone too far to the other thought and been like and then like almost halfway through it realized like, oh shit, I'm I'm still doing this bit. I guess it's going right, you know. <laughs> Exactly. And and I was telling somebody the other day, the worst kind of heckler is someone who doesn't heckle you directly, but maybe they agree with every fucking thing you say, or they have a comment after yeah. every joke, and you're just like, Jesus Christ. And if you jump on them, you know, like I made that mistake a couple years ago in Omaha. I was at the Funny Bone. I was there, and this guy was doing that. And the crowd didn't realize how annoying he had been the, the entire show. And at like minute 43, I kind of snapped on him like too hard. And people didn't realize. And they were just like, oh, he's an asshole. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, right. Yeah, people don't understand um, how little things like that can really just throw off your whole set and your timing. So, yeah, I, I've learned that. I've learned that too. I sort of, I've actually... I did this one once in uh, Minneapolis, and I've not been back since, so maybe that's why. Um, there were these two girls in the front row, and they were all dressed in, like, neon bright colors, and they had, like, these little neon necklaces glow-in-the-dark shit, you know, like they were on ecstasy or molly or something. Um, it, it seemed that way to me. And their laughter was so much that it was a distraction. And... And this was before I realized that you can't be mad at someone for laughing, you know. But I didn't, I hadn't learned that lesson yet. Anyway, I said, guys, I know you're having a great time. I really appreciate it. But this, I don't know what drug you're on, but it's really thrown off my timing. Do you mind just going to the back of the room? I don't, I'm not kicking you out. Just go to the back of the room where I can't see you. <laughs> like that. And I tried to do it nicely, but I, I realized later, like, I just kind of kicked someone out for laughing too hard. And that was... And that was a mistake, because uh, in the crowd, it was like, God, it's like you, that guy's an asshole. Yeah. You know? Like, who does he think he is? I mean, they come in the lap and you kick him out, what do you want him to do? Did, did so, it seem uh, like, you lost, like you lost him after that? Yeah, I mean, I had another 
20, 30 minutes left, and it was harder after that, definitely. You know, I didn't acknowledge it again, but I just sort of, like, put my shit in autopilot and got out of there. Yeah, uh, yeah. It it sucks when when you realize oh, this is not going to be fun, and you've still got thirty five minutes left. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so yeah. anyway, um, you have uh, you recently you've been pretty busy. You're always busy, man. You just got back from uh, Montreal. How was that? Did you have a specific category? I've never done a huge festival like that. So how does that how does that work? Oh yeah, Montreal's great. I mean, uh, I, yeah, this is I think maybe my fourth or fifth time up there. And um, they have these big, these big theater thing, uh, events called Gamas. Uh, and and uh, I was on one with the, uh, uh, Rick Mercer. It's a big Canadian guy. Like, he's huge in Canada. Okay. And um, he's like the John Stewart of Canada. Right? Okay. Like, he's very political. He talks about... Uh, uh, it's actually, there's a better way to say that he's the John Stewart of, of Canada. Okay. And um, so I was on his column. So yeah, there, uh, all these different famous people host this big event, and it's and it's a, a tank, it's a TV set. They're going to show it on uh, like the Comedy Channel in Canada. Okay, cool. And so, so you just go up and do seven minutes, and um, I did that with, with him this time. Uh, w. Kamal Bell was on mine. Tom Papa was on mine. Um, some other people, um, Laura Kaitman was on mine. Um, and then uh, a couple of years before that. The host of the gala I did was Kathy Griffin. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, before she decided to cut the Donald Trump's head off. Yeah. So people people were still going to her shows. And then before that, it was John Cleese, uh, which is a dream come true. And yeah. Then, I bet. Uh, before that, I was just like, "There's a new face." But uh, you know, Montreal was just last festival. That's the biggest. That's like the Super Bowl of festivals. You really just go there to sort of rub elbows and, and uh, hop knob and. Yeah, I've I've only done one week. I've only done one week there, but uh, I I enjoyed it. I, I thought they were I thought they were cool. It's like it's basically just like going to Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Man, it's, it's some Iowans would actually speak uh, a little French. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's but cool, that man. Was fun. That was kind of a last minute thing. I mean, I, you know, normally you know, like six months ahead of time that you got you got that book, but I just got with some new agents, and uh, they're starting to to make stuff happen. Cool. They're excited. Good, man. I'm over there. You know, it's like a new blood. So what do we do with this guy? So uh, they got me on that. So that's great. And then uh, I got this thing with Brad Paisley that's coming out um, August the 15th. Uh, it's going to be on Netflix, Comedy Rodeo, I think they're calling it. Awesome. And it's uh, Brad Paisley hosts it. And it's like a, a two-hour special of a bunch of different stand-ups. Uh, me, Sarah Tiana, John Hanford, Mike Winfield, Nate Bergazzi. Uh, we all go up and do sets and uh, sing some crazy, ridiculous songs with Brad Paisley, and um, that'll be. I'm excited for that. It'll be August 15 on Netflix. So awesome, man! That. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks, dude. I'm actually gonna go. Uh, you know, me and Sarah just started our own podcast, and that's gonna come out in August. And um, I'm getting ready to go record one with her, and we're gonna get Brad to call in and talk about it. Oh wow! Cool, um, man. So this is all new and exciting, and I did a thing with, um, do you know Tig Notaro? Yeah, I haven't, I don't know her, but I know her. Yeah, so she has a show on uh, Amazon Prime called uh, One Mississippi, and I, I did two episodes of that that's going to be out next month, I think maybe September, I'm looking forward to that as well. I'm just trying to, you know, I'm always, I've always liked 
you, the headliner, I'm, a, I'm always gone, and I feel like that's why we don't ever get to see each other, we're two ships passing in the night, <laughs> but this this month, I'm actually going to be in town a lot, I'm going to start calling in for spots at the comedy store, and getting going up to the uh, to the improv, and the lab factory, and start rubbing some elbows again, so I'll probably see you uh, at a club sometime this month. Yeah, I hope so, because I, I have the same plan when I... I've, my summer, I've been gone pretty much the entire summer, but I, I mean, I've been able to come back in between, which is nice for a couple of days. But in those two or three days that I've had off, I sure as hell haven't felt like going down to Hollywood. Um, I'd rather yeah. just sit on my couch. But a, a, in August, I don't. After all, after I come back from Denver, I don't have much of an excuse. I have one week in in uh, at the end of the month, but um, but yeah, man, I would love to hang out. Cause I don't I don't do that enough around here, you know. Like it just the way that it is. Um, you know, there's people in this city yeah, that I genuinely like, and I don't hang out with you and Porter, and you know, there's a right. few people. Um, what is your uh, what comedy club is, is closest to you down there? Um, the Comedy and Magic Club is 20 minutes to the left, and the Laugh Factory is 20 minutes to the right. So. Gotcha. Yeah, and there's and there's a. Uh, there's another good one nighter down here on Mondays that I'm going to start doing, and Tuesdays in El Segundo, and and uh, trying to get get a new uh, new like half an hour going, and uh, you know it's a process, man. You know how it is. Hell yeah! What other comics are you know that live around you? Do you have like can we get buddies that live close by? Uh, Kristen Key, I met her on a plane, and and she lives pretty close to me, and we had said we were going to go to lunch sometime, but we never did, and we haven't so far. Uh-huh. Um, she and I had a really good conversation on the plane, and we had never met. I mean, I knew, I was like, hey, you're a comic, aren't you? And, and uh, so we had a good conversation. That was cool. But I, th- I think there's a couple that live ha- down here. Um, what about the Dale and Jody? Dale and Jody White live pretty close. They live um, probably 20 minutes, 15 minutes. Yeah, they're always gone, too, though. They, they like do a lot of cruise ships together, don't they? Yeah, they do. They, uh, they stay pretty busy. So it, it's hard to find that balance, you know? I mean, you... And you also, gosh, you know how it is. You get, you get, you don't get paid near as much in L.A. to do comedy as you do on the road. No, and, no, and, and more work for less money out here. Yeah, and and in and on the road, you get to do your full forty-five to an hour, you know, and have fun with it. And mm-hmm. in Hollywood, you always have to cut all your shit up. And I don't know. I just like to stretch it yeah. out and mess with the crowd if I, I want to. to. And especially for me, I'm a, you know storyteller. I like to take time to get into it. Out here, you got seven to fifteen minutes, and and if you don't get them in that seven to fifteen, tough shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like out here, especially, I walk up there, and if I've got like seven minutes, they're like, okay, he's a redneck, or he's this or that, and they put me in this, right. they put me in this category, and by the time they start to think, oh, maybe there's more to this guy. Good night, you fuckers. <laughs> That's right, dude. You're hundred percent right, and I feel like because of that. Every every shit I do out here, I have to start with acknowledging the accent and proving them wrong because I think it's all they're thinking about. Yeah. So and, and I can't just walk up and talk about some, some new current event or another bit that has nothing to do with me being from the south. I feel like I have to address it every time. Just shut that voice up in their head so that they can relax and then and then get into my set, which means I'm repeating the same stupid joke every time I start my set. Yeah. But I feel like if I don't do it, then they won't give me the, they won't give me a chance. Well and especially, you know, I've got a lot I've got a 
a fair amount of racial material. And in, in on the road, I have time for them to get to know me and then listen to it. And in Hollywood, they think automatically they think I'm some, you know, they, they judge me. And then if I start to talk about something like that, then they just automatically assume I'm some fucking racist. And that pisses me off. Um, <laughs> that bothers me more than anything. I, I can like, I almost feel it. And, uh, oh, I even had, this is my point. I had a comic tell me one night, he goes, yeah, you can't do jokes about race because you have an accent so people will think you're racist. And I go, do you know how stupid what you just said is? I mean, deciding that someone is a racist because they have a bit of an accent is as ignorant as being a fucking racist. <laughs> But he couldn't under he, he couldn't understand that point of view. He's like, yeah, but no people. I'm like, yeah, I know people are stupid, but if they weren't, they wouldn't, you know, they would listen and not, you know, just assume. But it, it, people people are totally okay with assuming everything else, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I like that actually because it does make you stand out a little bit. It gives you an extra sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Because now, I mean, every. You can't just be a regular white guy anymore. You gotta, you gotta have something else, you know. Um, <laughs> you know, everyone likes to sort of align themselves with a group now nowadays. It's like, well, I'm different because of this, and here's my struggle because of that thing. So um, I've always used the South for a little bit of that, and now because I'm a rented person, I get to use that uh, ginger, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that gingerness a little bit as well. So. Um, I've learned to embrace the accent a little bit, uh, but, I, but like you said, you do, it sucks. I mean, I, I have built-in jokes that, uh, that, that explain, no, I'm not a racist. I live here. I live in Los Angeles, and it's impossible to be a racist and live in Los Angeles because you would be exhausted. <laughs> you know, like, I don't like that guy. I don't like that guy. I don't like that one. Oh, my God, I can't even My sides are hurting, you know? Yeah. So it's like I've, I've had to make that, that – I've had to do that joke just to let them know, you know, you are wrong. And, and, and exactly what you said, they're just as ignorant for assuming that. That is – that makes them – I have this little joke, too. That makes them an anti-soundbite. <laughs> it, it really is, you know, and people who don't realize how much um, racism is prevalent in the North are just stupid. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, you're just Boston. ignorant. Boston might be more racist than any particular South. Oh, about. yeah. And Philadelphia and those places? Are you fucking kidding me? I mean, <laughs> right. come on. They're not even shy about it. They're, they're just like, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, you went you went from uh, you went from Montreal to uh, I saw you in Little Rock and you were performing. They had you in a wrestling rink. You got to tell me about that wrestling rink. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there is a uh, uh, radio DJ from Little Rock who uh, dabbles in stand up, and so he for the last five, six, I don't know how long he's been doing it. Um, has been promoting, putting on his own shows where he gets to be the MC. He's got a wife who comes out and does some comedy, and they'll bring in a headliner. Um, and they work with a promoter there who uh, promotes all kinds of stuff at this arena called the Metroplex in Little Rock. And the Metroplex is a big arena that does all kinds of events. But it's music, it's wrestling, and it could be stand up, it could be whatever. Um, well, I 
just happened to be there a week before they were going to set up for this wrestling event. And so I didn't know this. I just get there, and he's like, oh, by the way, uh, yeah, you're going to be doing theater in the round. I go, oh, that's cool. Yeah, I've never done that before. I'm thinking like a stage, you know, where it's, uh, you know, the, the audience is all around you. It's like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> and I get there, it's like, no, no, it's a wrestling. We took the ropes off, but it's a wrestling ring. So you'll be up there, and we'll have the big screen on you so the people behind you can see you what you're doing on the front. We have these different camera angles. I'll go, oh, that's cool. So that that was the first for me, getting up there and, uh, you know, performing in a wrestling ring. That, that sounds pretty and fun, I, actually. I think you can do well there. I'm going to hook you up with that guy. Really? And, uh, okay. I told him, I said, uh, I got other people that, that, can, that can do this gig, um, especially in Little Rock and especially in a wrestling ring. <laughs> <laughs> so, you, you came to my mind. A couple other guys came to my mind. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I would. Uh, I would enjoy that. I would. I would. I've never been in a wrestling ring. I would love to be in it with that, with the ring ropes on it, so I could like do some Ricky Ricky Superfly yeah. snooker shit. Yeah, I was actually pretending the ropes were there, and I was running back and forth. You know how those old wrestlers would run back and forth and just like bounce up, like lean up against it and let them catapult themselves to the other side. Yeah, I was pretending. I was pretending they were there. I was doing that after. Uh, like some guy would would speak up, you know, say something, like kind of like not like a heckle, but like a chime in, and I'd have my little comeback, and I'd kind of go, oh, and I'd run back and forth like it was like part of the play. It was like the, the mic drop, kind of, kind of <laughs> um, But that was a, uh, it was an interesting gig. Uh, they they got hammered real fast. Um, you know, they, I would have I would have been, been a, if they had a table right in the middle of the ring. So, yeah. Do you mind telling the uh, Dodge Hemi uh, story? How you got that? How you got that commercial? Yeah. Well, I, I had moved out here. I've been to uh, LA a couple years. You know, um, I hadn't done any acting at all. The only thing I had done so far was in Montreal, just the last festival, the New Phase, and I had done some late night appearance at two a.m. in the morning on NBC called Late Friday. So I didn't have any credits or anything, but. I had a good college agent, you know, I was doing colleges, and he hooked me up with uh, someone that he knows who worked at a commercial agency, and so, you know, I got with this commercial agency, and they started sending me out auditions for all kinds of stuff, and um, he just called me up one day, and he's like, uh, hey, John, it's Hugh Leon from Coast to Coast Town, I got an audition for you today, it's for Dodge, and you're going to be playing white trash. <laughs> and I was like, all right, uh, yeah. I know what that is. So uh, I, uh, I went ahead and I had my old Goodyear outfit. I used to work at a Goodyear. I put that whole uniform on and uh, I went down there. You know, I put a, I put a dip in my mouth. Like, I, I, I go to these auditions sort of dressed as that thing so they don't have to imagine what I might look like if they put the right outfit on me. Yeah. I, try to, I try to take that out of their, that, 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 uh, out of their equation, you know. So I go down there dressed. As redneck as I could, with a dip in my mouth, I didn't shave. And in the waiting room, there's probably like 30, 40 other dudes. 
who look almost exactly like me. They're all dressed rednecky. Uh, they're all, a lot, most of them had red hair freckles, so that was kind of bizarre. You know, seeing like they, Dodge apparently had this certain thing in their head. They wanted like a ginger right. redneck. <laughs> so that was kind of bizarre. Um, anyway, I walk in there and uh, there's, a, there's a table with the scripts on it. And I just picked up a script. If you want to call it a script, it just had one one sentence on it, you know. Um, it just said that thing got a hemi. That's all it said. With the descriptions of what's going to happen in the, uh, the old storyboard, but all the, the old dialogue was that thing got a hemi. That was it. And so I'm sitting there and I'm trying to like I'm reading this thing in, in my head. I'm going over and over like how I'm going to say it, you know. Like am I do it this way? Am I emphasize this word? Am I do it like this? And this guy walks up and goes. Uh, he goes, hey man, uh, do you know what that last word is? Is it Hema? And I was like, Hema? He kind of caught me off guard. I was like, no, it's, it's Hemi. <laughs> he didn't know what Hemi was. Like, he had no idea what that was. And I was like, okay, um, well, this is good for me because I kind of know. You know, I know what, I grew up around that. I used to change times in a good year, so uh, it wasn't that. That wasn't totally off base for me but anyway, you go into the audition. Now I'm nervous. There's a there's an aluminum chair in the middle of the floor. They've got casting directors, ad agency people as a camera crew, lights are on you. And uh, you know, I just kinda walk in, sit in this aluminum chair and I just start thinking to myself, Okay, what would I be doing for real if I was at a stoplight in a muscle car? Somewhere in Henry, you know, so I'm thinking, well, okay. I'd probably have my elbow out the window, so I just stick my elbow straight out. Okay, there's no, there's no car there, it's just a chair. I'm just sitting there with my elbow sticking out. I'm thinking, well, it's a muscle car, so you know the air conditioning shot in that thing. And I'm thinking, <laughs> well, I'd probably vibrate a little bit because it's got a big engine. You know. So I just start vibrating in this chair with my elbow sticking out, and I got my dip in, and, and then they just start laughing. And the director, I could hear him like, what? Why is he doing that? What is, well, I don't understand. And he goes, uh, just say the line, John. And I go, I think I'm going to hit it. And I just I bought, I yelled it out, and I was shaking like that, my elbow sticking out. And they all just was dying and laughing. And these guys were like, yeah. So they were celebrating. Yeah. And they were just like, and so it was like, because of that moment, I, I think that's why I got the commercial, because I added these little different things. Like, Anybody, any jackass off the street could walk in there and say those those three or four or five words, whatever, that thing got a hand. Anybody can say that. But what they're looking for in these auditions, I think, is someone like, well, do I want to hang out with this guy? Um, is this a guy that I can be around three days? Will he add value to what we're doing? And it's like, well, he just came up with that outside in the waiting room with vibrating. You know, he, he painted this picture yeah. for us. And so... And I think that really is a major factor in getting the, the, at least commercial gigs because, you know, like I said, anybody can say the line, but who else will, who, who can add stuff and who can make it funny and it, it is fun to be around. Yeah. So that would be my, my advice to people who are auditioning for commercials. Well, and it was, uh, it w they were really funny commercials. They were, and, and it turned out to be, I mean, I know you were doing colleges and you'd been doing comedy for about 10 years, so you were, you know, you were working and everything, but that, that was a big uh, big. That was a big thing for you, right? Like that led to being because then, because then when you know those commercials were such a hit, and then they can headline you, and 
You also right. were a kick-ass comic. They're like, well, fucking bonus. You know, it's not like it's, <laughs> it's not like it's not like now where somebody gets famous for some bullshit and then they go and headline a club and they can't do it. Like you're one of the few people who could deliver and was like, oh, just so happens he's also got you know the chops to do fucking he can he can do our club and headline it and you know that right. that was that was a shock to a lot of people too who didn't know me as a stand up you know yeah the commercial was the first big thing I ever did with my face was everywhere uh, people started recognizing my face like all the time everywhere I went just from the commercial and then it was like you know uh, an improv somewhere in the country John Reed handy guy to put that up there. Mm-hmm. And then people just curiosity factor alone. They go like, oh, that's a funny thing. Well, let's go check this guy out and see what he's about. And then it was fun winning them over as a stand-up as well because they had no clue yeah. that I've been doing this for that long. And then they go, holy shit, this guy, he didn't even talk about Dodge. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So that was, that, was, that was fun. Yeah, man. I You know, I... I would love something like that so then I can be like, oh, by the way, I can also do this. <laughs> this is what I'm really good at, you know. Um, yeah, man, that was that was cool. Those those commercials are funny. Do, do you uh, think they'll ever approach you about doing those again? I have no idea. You know, I've never canceled it out, but, I mean, I've had funny ideas to do spoof commercials, you know, like that Verizon wireless guy who switched to AT&T or whatever. Yeah. You know, can you hear me now, guys? Right. Like, uh, I can do something like that. The Hemi guy now is like a hybrid dude. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like, I'm, you know, I'm no longer this redneck. I'm now this grown-up with a real job, and I've cut my hair, and I've got a suit on, and I've shaved my face, and now I'm driving a Prius, and I'm at a stoplight, <laughs> and some rednecks pull up next to me to beat up old Dodge Hemi, and they look down on me like, oh, is that a hybrid? And I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's a hybrid. And then we floor it, and of course they beat me. But the next, uh, the next thing you see is them pulling off to get gas. And I'm still going. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that'll, that'll never happen. And people would hate me if I did that. But you know, I'm just thinking it'd be hilarious. Um, but no, I, I, you never know. I mean, they, just with nostalgia alone, they might come around to it. But um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, I think uh, you know, I did six of them, and the first three. Were, were were amazing and then the next three like we started having problems with the the one guy who said sweet like I, I, I never had a problem with him but he was like getting tired of it and I don't think he was getting as much um, and he was getting pissed off with all the appearances we had to do and, and he, you know this guy he's got cystic fibrosis and, and you know he's it's hard for him to travel mm-hmm. so he was he was really kind of set up with it and so they started having issues with that then they got rid of him they tried to get a new person to come in and that didn't work so I actually I actually shot eight but only six of them aired I shot two that never aired with a girl that was uh, that replaced the other guy who said sweet and um, it was going to be me and this chick and we shot two of them and they never aired it um, but some of them, I don't know I think they, uh, they exhausted it as much as they could but they could do something funny like nostalgia you know like you know throwback Thursday style <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. But I remember like them not, uh, there was two camps that basically had dodged that were always having issues with each other. One side, the dealers uh, all over America loved the commercial because people would come in and say the line and they loved the commercial and, and they got, they, they sold a lot of trucks because of the ads. 
Um, but the people who owned Dodge at the time, Daimler Chrysler, basically a bunch of Germans, um, hated being associated with the rednecky type image. Like they didn't, they didn't want that to be the thing, you know. Um, huh. The guy who was the hero was the guy driving the truck. I never drove the truck. You know, if you look at the commercials, I was never the owner of a Dodge. I always wanted the Dodge. But yet somehow <laughs> yeah. I took over the commercials. I was the hero, even though I was never in the truck. Right. Um, if I was in the truck, I was a passenger and someone else was driving. Yeah. Um, so they didn't like that. But then at the end of the day, they, you know, money always won, so they kept making them. Yeah. But uh, I think they were happy when it was over. So, But who knows? Uh, if they can, if they ask me to do another one, I, I'd love to. I think it'd be hilarious. Yeah, I think it would too. <clears throat> what, uh, what, what? So you're going to be in town for a few weeks, and then are you going back on the road? Yeah, I'm going to Asheville, North Carolina, and then um, and then Myrtle Beach after that. And but, um, I'll be around for a while, man. Let's hang out. Definitely. Do you have uh, Do you have a website, or what's the best way people can access you? Get to you. Um. Well. I do have a website, but no one goes to those anymore, so just look me up on whatever your favorite social media thing to do is, you know? Yeah. Like, if you're a Twitter person, I'm on Twitter. If you're a Facebook person, I'm on that. Instagram, you're, you're damn right. I'm on all of it. Yeah. It's just, uh, just J-O-N-R-E-E-P, John Reap, and uh, you'll find me. Yeah, you're entertaining on Instagram. I've, I've got to get better about social media. I think I've been saying that for, like, ten years now. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's another job. Uh, I feel like, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I feel like people get tired of me posting stuff all the time. But like, I feel like I have to because otherwise, you just get forgot about. You know. No, I don't. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I'm self destructive or what. But I like. I was just on Todd and Tyler um, in Omaha, and it's just a great radio station. You sit there for. I think I did three hours total. I was there on for two hours one day and one hour the next. But you're just sitting there and like this dark air-conditioned room and you're just bullshitting like you forget you're even on the radio and yeah. and so I had some really funny lines and I was pretty good on the radio and I didn't I didn't fucking say one time that I have a podcast I'm like what is wrong with you god damn it <laughs> <laughs> yeah I know it's weird isn't it um, I, I was the same way um, and that, this, this the way I feel about radio is that this will be my third one I did two with John I did one with two with John and one by myself so that's going to be my fourth one um, and then I remember like not even mentioning it half the time on the radio um, when I was in these other uh, other uh, markets. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I think we're just that age, or we just don't even think of it. As, like I don't know. I think we just think of the, the show that night at that club is the only thing that matters, and we don't think of it. <laughs> we don't think long term. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, the damn week will be over, and I'm like, man, I didn't take one fucking picture like i've had this awesome summer i've done i've had a great one of the best summers of my career and i don't have i didn't take hardly any freaking pictures and now i've got like one week left and i'm like well you better take a shitload of pictures at the denver improv <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i'm not visiting that improv i always do the comedy works but uh, let me know how that goes yeah i've been there uh i've been there before it's been a few years but uh, i had a good time last time i was there and i'm working with a friend of mine is uh, featuring Kurt Fletcher, so that should be fun. It's always nice to work with, with people that you like. Yeah. Hey, man, i got to run to do this other podcast. Yeah, I know. I really appreciate you taking the time to do this, buddy, and uh, and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get a hold of you, and we'll, we'll see you soon. All right, brother. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, buddy. You bet. Take care, and, uh, and I'll, I'll give you a call in the next couple of days, and we'll uh, I want to talk about some other stuff, too. So. Yes, sir. All right, brother. Thanks, All man. Right. Peace out. Bye-bye. 
All right, everybody, that was my buddy John Reap. Uh, it was nice of him to take the uh, time out of his schedule. He is a super busy dude, and uh, check out his podcast. He and Sarah Tiana are going to have, um, excuse me, and, and keep checking out this podcast. I appreciate you guys listening. Sorry that we missed last week, but um, every now and again that, that happens. It's unavoidable, but we're not going to make a habit of it, and I really do appreciate you guys listening. I am getting ready to uh, pack again. I'm going to the Denver Improv, like I said, and check out all my dates on timgathercomedy.com. You can also access all my links there. You can just go to that website, and there they are. So, um, let's see. Do I need to plug anything? else go to makingithappen.com um always support little bow making any way you can um and i really appreciate you guys listening so keep listening subscribing to uh itunes stitcher all that other stuff give us positive ratings and uh all right that's it god bless all of you bye-bye